give me three things or three reasons why I shouldn't hire you. If that was asked to you, Matt, what would you say? Why you shouldn't hire me? Wow. Which is counterintuitive, right? Like you're you're applying for a job and then you get asked, why shouldn't we hire you? Mm. Yeah, I've had a similar question asked like this where it was actually in the same interview as the sock ball conundrum I had. And that question was, if we asked your wife, husband, partner about you, what would they say are your worst characteristics? And my answer to that one was, I try too hard, I commit too much to something, and I never give up, which I thought were really good answers. But then the interviewer kind of stopped the interview and said, look, that's that's what you want me to hear. Why don't you tell me sort of something else? Which again, just absolutely threw me for a loop during that. This interview was a, you know, that one interview, I think, completely changed my world when it came to what you should expect and shouldn't expect during professional interviews. So the three things, the three reasons why... The question was three reasons why we wouldn't hire you, right? Yes. Ooh. I would say... Give me three reasons why we, why we shouldn't hire you. I would say I'm... Oh, fuck, I don't know, Mike. You caught me out on this one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Three reasons why we shouldn't hire you. Did it catch you out as well when you were asked it? Oh, I, I answered it immediately. What? Welcome to the 20 Minute Mentors Podcast. Matt, and with me is Mikey. Yes, present again. Welcome to the present show, again. guys. <laughs> <laughs> so today we're talking about uh, interviews, which is a really nice segue from sort of the CV journey we've been on in the last episode and finding your focus, which has been kind of the purpose of the episodes before that. So if you to put these episodes out in a kind of chronological order, you have you know, finding the job that you might want to be interested in, might want to do how to you know, craft your CV and get you to that job. And then this episode, which is focused around, you know, the assumption that you've managed to get your CV in front of somebody and get your uh, foot in the door for an interview. Now, we've all done loads of different interviews and different interview types. So there will be lots of different ideas and kind of different interview techniques we cover off on this. Not all will apply to the interview that you're going for. And it might be very different. It might be a different industry, but hopefully you can pick up some of the concepts and ideas that we that we kind of share as we go through this episode. So let's kick it off with a big number then, Mikey. How many interviews have you had? I actually don't know, Matt. I haven't been really keeping track, but if I were to, you know, put out a rough estimate, I would say it's probably more than a hundred interviews, and not oh, wow. a lot of them would be successful, obviously, but yeah, because it was like a hit or miss scenario, like, you know, just trying to throw multiple different stones and try to see if I hit at least a single bird. I guess it goes mm. out to, you know, most of the people as well nowadays. How about for yourself? 
Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's a good way of looking at it, right? So we spoke about it in one of our early episodes, didn't we? About, you know, that taking the, the hit and kind of, and picking yourself back up. You know, I think I mentioned one of the influencers I follow on Instagram where he mentioned, you know, once you follow the once, you don't spend the rest of your life dragging yourself around the floor. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, that applies to interviews, right? And you, we, we won't get every interview that you interview for, every job that you interview for, for sorry. Like it's an, it really is a numbers game. Exactly as you're saying there, like you applied for a hundred, maybe got a hundred interviews. Of that, how many jobs offers have you had? I'd probably say it's around less than a 10 ballpark figure. Wow. Yeah. yeah it's, it's tough nowadays. And I think that's about average, right? I think it's very unusual if you get every job that you interview for. Either you've got some amazing interview technique or maybe something isn't quite right there. I think I've probably had probably about 70 to 80 interviews throughout my career. And I've worked in maybe 10 or 15 different industries or different companies. So, you know, that's probably one in eight for me that I've, you know, I've got the interview, I've got I've got through the interview stages, and then I've got the role. It really is a case of you turn up to the interview, putting across your best self, but being fully expected that actually, you know, this might or might not be the interview that leads you to that role. And I think that that's absolutely fine to have that approach. Interviews come in lots of different sort of shapes and sizes. And, you know, I've certainly seen a a few interesting combinations of them. Can you tell us about an occasion where you've been through sort of a multi-stage interview, Michael? Yes, definitely. The last that I can remember was when I tried to apply to this EV charging app. It's based uh, somewhere in the Middle East. And initially I had a quick interview with kind of like the recruiter. And then afterwards, I was forwarded to the company itself for like an initial interview, trying to get to know about my personality and some sort. Then the third stage was kind of like the technical one. So what was my experience and basically what research have I done regarding the industry that I was um, applying for? Then afterwards and i think this is kind of common nowadays so the the fourth stage was kind of like a a take-home test where they give you like a scenario and they try to gauge how you're going to respond and how you approach that scenario then the fifth stage of that interview was you present your actual test and your plan towards it then sadly i didn't progress towards the the last stage or you know further stages of the hiring process because I didn't quite hack it during the take-home test part. But yeah, that was the the longest multi-stage interview that I went through you know, in my entire professional life at the moment. So what was that then? Four stages? Yeah, I went through four stages. And there would have been five? Yeah, there was definitely a fifth one. And I'm not wow. actually sure if there was still going to be a sixth stage because oh. I didn't wow. progress that far. But yeah, no. that was kind of stressful but at the same time it was really a learning experience because you you definitely get an insight as to how the hiring process evolved over time throughout the years so yeah that was my experience how about for you matt i'm sure you've gone through multiple stage interviews considering the industry and the the role that you are in yeah kind of yeah so i mean for those who listening and don't kind of know my background. So I've worked in product for, you know, 10 to 12 years now. Current role, I am a lead or senior product manager. 
been in roles that have been head of product, etc. So, you know, with those roles that I'm applying to, they tend to have that multi-stage interview process. Definitely more drawn out processes. I think the longest I had was a seven stage and I think the shortest was a three. But we tend, the interviews that I go for, I tend to get those, you know, first stage is just a meet and greet. The second stage is more of a, you know, more detailed CV walk about who you are and what your background is. Third stage is like some type of presentation or activity. And then fourth, fifth and onwards is normally meeting the team or going into offices or whatever it might be. So I think, you know, interviews can kind of come in all shapes and sizes now. And I think that's the the thing to remember when you're applying to a rule is that actually this this interview or these interview stages could take two weeks or they could take you know a series of months. A good friend of mine was interviewing for a company in Europe and I think he said the process end to end took about four months, which is a huge amount of time to dedicate to making yourself available, jumping on an interview, going through the process, etc. Um, so it's just something to be sort of mindful of when you're applying to companies that, you know, these interview processes could be really quick and you could hear pretty soon, but they could also be drawn out and you could be waiting a couple of weeks for the next stage or waiting weeks to chase for feedback, etc. I guess we can take the next step back and I'd be really keen to know your thoughts on this, Mikey, is, you know, how do you prepare for an interview? What is it that you do to kind of get yourself in the interview mindset? Well, first and foremost, before heading towards any interview, I do as much research as I can about the role itself. Second is about the company because it's actually important that you are quite familiar about the industry and most specifically the company in itself because it is bound to happen where you are going to be asked if you have any questions about the company or you'd never know you're going to be asked like immediately right off from the first interview like scenario questions let's say regarding the industry so it's good to prepare beforehand at least do some research and you know for myself as well I try to have this practice or I tend to have this practice where I actually talk to myself in front of a mirror and just try to anticipate or run through possible questions in my mind and you know just to move those facial muscles and just basically prepare myself to do lots of talking because yeah that's what an interview is for how about you Matt? Yeah pretty much the same if I'm honest you know I spend a lot of time looking at the company so my my routine normally starts about two or three days before the interview is supposed to take place and let's for, for this example, we'll assume that these are, you know, not face-to-face interviews. They're a bit different and we'll cover those a bit later. But for a remote kind of telephone interview or a online video call interview, I, I'll i start thinking about the business that I'm interviewing for maybe two or three days before I go into the interview. And I will spend a little bit of time looking at their social media, looking at what they're saying online, looking at their own website, but also searching out things like their company values and understanding more about that business. And then from there, I'll start to create a list of questions. My favorite question to ask during an interview is, how does this company align to its values? What do you do on a daily occurrence to show those values? And it's a, I I think of those questions leading up to the interview. So by the time I've got to the day of the interview itself, I've understood hopefully the business. I have a few, maybe four or five questions written down. And I have an understanding of what area the business is operating in. For an interview is really a two-way street. Um, and it's 
it's certainly easier to say that when you're not you know, really desperately looking for work. But an interview is also a place for you to understand more about that business. So if you go into an interview, remember that as your opportunity to understand if the business is a right fit for you as well, as well as the business understanding if you're a right fit for them. So really questions that you could be asking is, you know, about their working style, about the teams, about where they're located, if that's important to you. So they're really the interview questions that I spend some time prepping on beforehand is, what am I looking for from this role? What are they looking for from me? And can I find any anything that would pique my interest about talking to them? So you've done your research. You're, you're a guinea pig for this example, Mike. So you've done your research. Day of the interview is here. What's next? Mm-hmm. Before proceeding to my answer, though, I'd like to add... Um something to what you just said, which is actually very important regarding the point about interviews being a two-way street. And most of the time, especially for fresh graduates or those who are just joining the workforce, the, the common misconception is that the interview is about you answering questions from the interviewer. But the actual case is actually, they also want to gauge how you, I mean, just not answer their questions, but how you also ask questions yourself, because in the actual workplace, asking the right questions is actually very important as well. So yeah, that would be the the small thing that I would add to the fine points that you've just made a little bit earlier ago. And to answer your question, so yes, I've done the preparations and all that. So I'm about to go to the interview. And what I remember doing from the last interview that I had, though, was right while I was at the Zoom lobby, because again, this is a remote interview. So while waiting for the host to accept me, I don't know, I just shoot off a small prayer or, you know, you don't have to be a Christian or any specific religion, but to have whoever supreme being you believe in, you know, just a quick call out, like, okay, help me do well in this interview. And then the moment that I join the lobby and in the first few seconds or probably minutes is going to be nerve wracking, obviously, but just try to be comfortable. I mean, that's what I normally do. I just try to be comfortable. I try to think that I'm just talking with a long lost friend that definitely helps with the mindset or, you know, you know, soothing your nerves coming into an interview. So just think of them as a long lost friend, like you're catching up from not meeting for a very long time, smile. And it's going to be difficult to maintain eye contact in a remote interview as well, but try to phase your camera as much as possible. And then just talk clearly. And also very important, don't rush your words. Speak in slower pace than you would normally do because that helps as well in trying to convey what you have in mind just so that you don't lose something out of translation, especially just for myself that I'm not an English native speaker. So that definitely helps. Then after that, you know, just go with the flow and just try to think of it as having a conversation. How about you, Matt? Yeah, I think that's that, that's really kind of the big key point there is, you know, an interview is a conversation. It's just a conversation with a bit more stress around it, Right. And there's a few bits you touched on, which I think are really important. So the first one is like, if it is a remote interview, turn your camera on. I've done plenty of interviews in the past where I've joined and the person I'm interviewing has joined and I've turned my camera on and I've said, hello, 
and then I'm waiting for the person who was interviewing for a role that I'm hiring for to turn their camera on. And it's that, that first impression kind of disappears then because you're going, you're, you're thinking, why, why do I have to prompt this person to do what seems like a really simple thing? So hundred percent turn your camera on. I'm similar in a way. I like to do something that just completely takes my mind off what I'm doing before an interview. So I'll play loud music. I will put my headphones in for a bit and just find a playlist and, you know, even for the first couple of minutes leading up to the interview. So I'll get the lobby ready and I'll make sure the link works and everything's set up. And then I will leave the computer, put my headphones on and listen to music for five minutes before the interview starts. And that way I'm kind of creating that barrier between the pressure and the stress of preparing for the interview and the questions, making sure everything's right. And I'm creating that then break to go and now it's going and we can't stop it and we're in motion. So I, I try and do that. Uh, when I get into the interview, very similar to as you've said, uh, if I'm an interviewer, I like people to come in and kind of introduce themselves, say, hi, I'm and whoever it is. If you haven't met and if you have met, hello again. Just a really nice, the simple introduction really goes a long way. Um, trying to be in a well-lit area so we can actually see who it is we're interviewing and potentially noise-free if you can. They're really big things as well that just make it so much easier to understand what somebody's saying. I remember conducting an interview in my last place where the person was in a car and they were driving while kind of on hands free. And it's, yeah, it's good that they kind of made the time for the interview to join us, but it just shows that they're not fully paying attention. So they're the things I'd really suggest is well-lit area, place you can be heard very well and you can sit down and kind of pay, pay attention really. And yeah, going to the interview, I agree people like I've known them before. I guess it's probably, the, as Michael said, the best way of describing that, of saying hello, saying, you know, how you doing? How's your day going? I also like to try and see things that I can see in the interview that might spark up a conversation. So I spoke to, I actually had an interview quite recently and I spoke to the person who was interviewing me and I could see behind them there was a bookshelf. So to, as the interview kind of, started but while waiting for the people to join I just asked her what her favorite book was on the bookshelf and it's a really simple kind of drops the stress a little bit of the situation because you've asked a simple question you've got out of that interview mindset and you're able to kind of settle into it a little bit I find interviews as well can be a bit like if you're unprepared a bit like jumping into cold water where you get that initial shock and you feel your breath go and you still heart rate starts to go and I feel the best thing to do but in those situations, it's just to really slow down. So again, just reinforcing what you said there, Mike, about you know taking a breath, really try and slow your pace down. You've got to the interview stage because you've done something right at the application stage and they've seen something in you that they're impressed by. So really take that as a, a boost of confidence and relax into yourself a little bit and don't get too scared. They're definitely my top tips. The next area to look at is questions, which... Is always fun. So I know we spoke about it briefly on another podcast, but weirdest question. I think you had a needle in a haystack, right? Oh, yeah. That was actually on our uh, introduction episode in which if yes. you haven't listened, guys, it's the first episode that we published. Go give it a listen. Yeah, it's a it's a fun episode. But yeah, sorry for, you know, the change. In no, no, I'm <laughs> never going to um, stop you from doing a shameless plug. That's fine. So... <laughs> Yeah, what's the, you know, interview questions I think are always fun. And I think a lot of interview questions, as you've just said, are you know, there to kind of understand how you think, but also there to 
see how you react to certain things. So that needle in a haystack example that you used, I think that probably was intended to show some type of thinking and kind of understand how you approach problems and maybe where your mind goes, probably. Uh, I think other questions are there just to try and put you on the spot a little bit and see, you know, where your mind goes and, and what thought process you come up with. Regarding the, well, you know, like those types of questions where they try to gauge how you approach problem solving, that normally goes, you know, if you're in a type of hiring process where there's just only one or two interviews that will probably go at the middle part of the first interview or probably during the second interview where they gauge your actual capabilities. But usually how it goes when the interview kicks off, one of the most common questions that I remember getting from interviewers was just a simple tell me about yourself, which on the surface may seem like a very simple question, but there's actually multiple layers to it. Because for one, I know that when you get asked that question and then you tell them all about or stuff that's already on your CV that's going to be like losing some points during the interview. So yeah, if, if you get asked, like, tell me about yourself, I actually suggest that you tell them a little bit about your experience or what you did, but don't focus on things that you already have in your CV because most often than not, the interviewer or the one who's hiring has already gone through that in detail. So try to think about scenarios or maybe things that you've done in that role that highlights you as a person, like your character and how you do things personally. Yeah, I mean, it's there's a real variance. Some questions you see time and time again during an interview. Tell us about yourself is definitely one of them. And, you know, I, I'm kind of on the same page as you there. I, I have a, I think we call it an elevator pitch which, you know, is about 30 seconds. And it's a way to kind of introduce who I am, a couple of key points about my background, and then I can kind of roll straight into what happens there. So typically my elevator pitch is, I'm Matt, I've worked in product for 12 years across multiple industries, most recently in financial services. I've managed teams of, you know, as small as two to as big as 30. And I've worked with companies from, you know, very small startups to established enterprises. Outside of work, I spend a lot of time volunteering and, and doing different activities in my in my area. So my elevator pitch is, you know, sort of 75% my background without being too explicit in one area. So, you know, who I am, I'm Matt, where I've come from, but I've worked in product for X amount of years, different industries. But I also tack on a little bit about what I do to volunteer. So if I had the time or if if I wanted to elaborate on that, I could say about the things I do outside of work and kind of build on that, you know, who I volunteer with, how much time I put into it, or, or why I think that has a link to the role I'm applying for. For example, very early on in my career, the only experience I had was from the military, but I didn't let that become a blocker. I just used that as, you know, my elevator pitch then was, I'm Matt, I'm, you know, couple of months working as a business analyst in a particular role. Prior to IT, I was in the military for four years. And the reason I think this transitions into this role is because of, you know, problem solving or people skills, whatever it might be. So I always try and look for those links in my elevator pitch that I can apply directly back to the role. On further questions, I mean, your typical ones are tell us about your experience. That's easy enough, you know, hopefully you've got it on your CV. And 
In most cases, they're asking that because the detail isn't there on your CV. Your CV may say something like worked as a, a developer on blockchain, and they might want to know what that means or what the example is of that. Another really common question I see is why this role? And that can be quite easy to answer if you've done your sort of your pre-interview stuff. So if you've looked at the business, understood what their values are, why do you want to work for X company should be quite easy to answer. My normal go-to is because of the industries that I work in, it's an up-and-coming company. I enjoy what they're doing. The industry is a right fit. And, you know, whatever else I've sort of applies or matches to what I'm looking for. So they're definitely the, the questions I see more commonly. I've also seen a few slightly out there questions. One I remember is being sat, it was my third stage interview for a previous company I worked at. And during the interview, the actually, let's we can do this between us, Mike. So the question I was asked, you can be me in this situation, is if I've got a bag and I have four balls in that bag, two balls of, of, of different colour, so I have two red and two blue, how many balls would I have to remove to guarantee that I have two of the same colour? You won't have to remove any balls, right? Just rearrange it. <laughs> That's if I understood the question. <laughs> yeah. So let's say that you have to remove an amount of balls. I have a bag. It has four balls. Two are red, two are blue. What's the minimum amount I need to remove from that bag to ensure that I have two of the same colour? That's a trick question, Matt. That's like Elon He's- Musk level type of shit. <laughs> I mean, in my head, I can't figure out what you can remove if there's only four balls. So there's four balls in a bag. And I had the same response. I was like, I don't know. And the interviewer had said, well, why don't you go through it? Like, act it out in your head. So I went, okay, take out one ball, that's red. Take out the next ball, that could be red or blue. Take out the third ball, it's going to match one of the other two balls. So by removing three is the lowest number you can you can remove in order to guarantee you have at least two that are one colour. And I was pretty happy with kind of working through that. And then the interviewer said, okay, if I've got three different colour balls, so I've got six balls now, two of matching colour, so three different colours, six balls in a bag, what's the what's the amount I need to remove? And again, my brain went into complete meltdown at this point, And I was like, I don't know. Like I've I managed to work out the first one by basically guessing it. So then I did the next sum and went, okay, well, I've got six balls. I need to get a matching pair. So I'll remove the first one. That could be one of the three colors, the second one. And it was one of these questions where it completely threw me because I was interviewing for an IT role. So to suddenly be thrown an algebra question just blew my mind. <laughs> but being given the time to work through it really helped. So to, to go, hang on. Let me work through this. It's the, it's this, it's that, I do this one. It showed them it, during the interview what, what my brain was going through, but it also gave them an idea of how I approach problems. So mm-hmm. instead of just going 12 and shout an answer out, I was able to work through it and go, it's, it's three. Now, that is a well-known algebra equation, and the correct answer is always N plus the number. So the withdrawals you'll have to do are always one more than the, the number that you're trying to obtain, which again, blew my mind when I learned that after the interview as well. <laughs> but it's just, it, interviews can throw some strange questions at you. And I think the key thing is just to remain calm, keep going through it. If you need to stop, stop. If you need to slow the interview down, just 
slow the pace down, take more thinking time. Nobody's going to uh, begrudge you for wanting to slow things down a bit because you know you need more time on the question or the interview. You know you you need to work things out a bit faster. So yeah, definitely, if you start seeing strange questions come at you, the best thing to do is to kind of slow the pace of the interview down so you can have a time to think and and you're not kind of in that fight or flight mentality. Yeah, and I guess that's also yeah well, what you just touched on. I guess you could call that a, a technique during interview, not just during interviews though, even if you already joined the workforce, like if there's something that you don't know at the moment, you can always say you don't know the answer, but you know, I will definitely try to go through things, do some research and get you the answer eventually if that's a luxury that is possible. But yeah, saying no, you don't know is also probably going to be a a good point towards you because it shows that you acknowledge, you know how to acknowledge things that you currently don't know, but also goes to the action that you want to do, considering that you don't know the answer, like you're willing to learn and find out what the answer is. Yeah, 100%. I think being brave enough to say, I don't know, or I'm not sure of the answer to that is massive because you know not only does it show a bit of humility but it also shows honesty that you're not gonna mm-hmm. throw a random answer out there and go oh, i was 12 and, and kind of just hope that was right so yeah definitely during interviews as well in the workplace i mean as you get into your role having that humility of saying i'm new here i don't know what this is it's better than making a, a big mistake early on <laughs> yeah exactly yeah i was gonna add something just a little quick one a quick question to cool. you as well like to reverse the the roles Fine, fine, go on. Yeah, since we also touched on like, you know, something about self-awareness there and, you know, the ability to acknowledge that you don't know the answer. I remember back uh, in one of my interviews, I was asked by the interviewer, give me three things or three reasons why I shouldn't hire you. If that was asked to you, Matt, what would you say? Why you shouldn't hire me? Wow. Which is counterintuitive, right? Like you're you're applying for a job and then you get asked, why shouldn't we hire you? Mm. Yeah, I've had a similar question asked like this where it was actually in the same interview as the sock ball conundrum I had. And that question was, if we asked your wife, husband, partner about you, what would they say are your worst characteristics? And my answer to that one was, I try too hard, I commit too much to something, and I never give up, which I thought were really good answers. But then the interviewer kind of stopped the interview and said, look, that's that's what you want me to hear. Why don't you tell me sort of something else? Which, again, just absolutely threw me for a loop during that. This interview was a, you know, that one interview, I think, completely changed my world when it came to what you should expect and shouldn't expect during professional interviews. So the three things, the three reasons why... The question was three reasons why we wouldn't hire you, right? Yes. Oh, I would say, give me three reasons why we why we shouldn't hire you. I would say I'm, oh, fuck, I don't know, Mike. You've got me out on this one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> three reasons why we shouldn't hire you. Did it catch you out as well when you were asked it? Oh, I, I answered it immediately. What? 
It was actually one of the feedbacks that, because the, the, that was for a promotion. The, the same interview where I got asked the needle in the haystack as well. And um, after I got hired, we actually had a casual talk and he actually gave me good feedback about that answer. And that was the first time that he actually heard an answer immediately without yeah. any hesitation. Why we shouldn't hire you? Fuck, no, it's completely blown my mind, huh? Anyway, so while you're thinking, Matt, um, I might as well share uh, my three answers because that was, um, yeah, just like what you said, uh, it's actually one of the questions that changed my perspective as well. And after that, I've gone through several interviews and I actually expect all the succeeding interviews, you know, for the interviewer to ask me that question. So the three answers that I answered to the interviewer was, first, I am good at procrastinating but i have because the, the thing is the way i answered or the way i phrased out my answers was i told the interviewer the negative trait that i that i wanted mm. to share to them but i didn't just stop there i also included things that i'm doing to actually resolve that problem which was actually a, a good thing to add to you know the, the answer itself so first was I was a good procrastinator, but I am trying out some methods like a to-do list or like the Pomodoro technique to help me negate that negative trait. And second was I have a kid at home and he sometimes cries out in the background because I work in the same room as where my kid sleeps or stays. So that might be a deal breaker. Because let's say I'm in a meeting and the kid cries at the background. But after that, I told the interviewer that, but I'm subscribing to a, an AI noise canceling app that filters out any background noise that's not my voice. Then, yeah, that was a, a tick. My third answer was, as a non-native English speaker, I am not that good at speaking English, although I can communicate effectively there are going to be times that it's not going to be that good. However, I am doing things outside of work to improve that skill of mine. So at that time, I was game streaming and I stream in English. So I do get to practice, you know, talking to other people in English and from different walks of life. And aside from that, I also started a podcast just to practice communicating and speaking the language. Because two years ago, I also started my personal podcast, Road to 30, although it hasn't been updated that much recently. But I did enjoy it, and it did help me out in developing that English speaking skills. That's really, yeah, I really like that. I My brain is still worrying because it's, it's almost like they're asking you to find a thing about yourself that you don't like and then how you're working on it, right? Yeah, I think that's the real premise of the question there, but they didn't want to give it out exactly out front. Mm. So it's kind of like a two-sided sword. Like you're, you're giving them the answer and at the same time you're telling them that, oh, you understood the question or you yeah. understood what they wanted out of that question. Yeah, that's interesting. I think, you know, one of my answers to that would definitely be, you know, you wouldn't want to hire me because I can be quite a quiet person where I like to, you know, I'm a big, 
I'm a very analytical person. So I spend a lot of time you know, buried in something or thinking. And I think that, you know, it might not be the right fit for a lot of companies, but you know, that's that my working style is actually, I, I want to, you know, if give me a problem, give me a day to think about the problem and I'll come back with an answer. And the way I work on that is actually by giving more regular updates or something like that to what you're doing. But yeah, that's a really, it's a really interesting interview question, that isn't it? I think it just shows that these more complex ones, like if you had an elephant and you couldn't sell it, what would you do with it? Are becoming more and more commonplace in, in work interviews. Yeah. Um, uh, speaking of the elephant, I remember also, I also got asked a question about an elephant, but it was, if you were to put an elephant in a refrigerator, how would you do it? And it's one of those things as well that I think I gave an unconventional answer because I didn't really want to go through, you know, the gritty details about how you want to fit like a full-size elephant inside a fridge. So I just went ahead and said, okay, you didn't say that it was an actual real live elephant. Let's say it was just a plushie. I'll just put it in and then close the fridge. <laughs> and I think that shows that, you know, you you think about these questions that are presented to you in a different way, right? Even your haystack example in the first episode about just going to buy a new pin, like it shows a different way of thinking about problems. And I think that's really quite important. You know, there's a, I'll try and link the original author of it in the show notes, but there's this concept around hiring people who think differently because they bring different experiences. Um, And the best example of this is a company in America who one of their interview questions is asking where people keep ketchup. And, you know, they look for people who say the fridge or the cupboard because people who keep ketchup in the cupboard versus the fridge or the fridge versus the cupboard will also look there for other things. So if you keep ketchup in the cupboard, then you're likely to keep brown sauce in the cupboard. If you keep ketchup in the fridge, you're likely to keep brown sauce in the fridge. And it just kind of expands on where people will look to go to for the answers for things. And I think, again, that's a really interesting way of looking at how people answer a question, but also their thought process. So we're not saying go wacky and, you know, when someone asks you a question about an elephant, how if an elephant in a fridge, you know, don't say chop it into a million pieces and shove it in the fridge. But there might be a slightly different way of looking at that problem that that the question's intended to get from you. Mm -hmm. And that mindset I actually got from one of my former managers. We both know him, Borja Parada. But in one of our mentoring sessions or one-on-one sessions, he actually taught me this to always ask the question to yourself, what if? So that was exactly what went on in my mind there. What if there was something that the interviewer missed or what if there's a different angle to the question? And it's actually a very good life skill as well. Like, you know, just trying to run through different scenarios in your head and try to resort to the best solution that you can think of. Yeah, 100%. And I think that, you know, as you've touched on, it doesn't just apply to interviews, but it also applies to work itself of, you know, how can you... When you're given a problem or you're given a question or you're given something which is tricky, how do you approach that? And that's the key to a good interview is be yourself, be genuine, be confident if you can. But also when you get these questions that aren't your traditional talk us through your CV type question, how do you uh, approach that? How do you approach the problem and what are the outcomes? So, yeah, I think they're the key takeaways from this episode about interviews is, you know, ask questions, do your research 
make sure that you're prepared when you go into that interview, no matter what industry it is, there'll be questions and research you can do. When a question comes up that is a bit more say, outside the box or the way of thinking differently, approach it in a logical way. And there will always be questions that are a little bit left to field, such as the elephant or the sock ball problem or the uh, needle in a haystack. But showing you're working out, a bit like when you're at school doing tests, showing you're working out and how you got there is what will help you get to that next stage. Yes, exactly true. And with that, those are some of the tips that we can think of when it comes to navigating through the difficult process of going through interviews. And yeah, thank you so much for listening to the episode, guys. I hope you've learned a thing or two. And as always, we would love to hear from you. If you have any comments, reactions, or suggestions, feel free to reach out to us on any of our social media channels. And we're also going to be including a link where you can send us an actual voice message that we can include in future Q&A episodes. All right. And with that, adios, folks. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.